My name's Brian, and I'm an alcoholic. From the first. It was the first time, but okay, I'll repeat myself. I don't know what I said. I wasn't listening. But I do want to thank the committee for having me here, and it is an honor to be chosen by my peers. Um, and I have nothing to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm here. I'm a miracle and alcoholic anonymous. Um, I especially like the, um, the first aspect that uh, I got. <laughs> Rob, Rob was so kind to help, and um, and it was vulgar. Did any of the other speakers get a vulgar for that? <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> they know me, I guess. I don't know. You know? I, I've been up here, and I, I've given hundreds of ways, and, and it never fails. But when every time I get up here, you know, I, I'm still as nervous as a whore in church. And, and I know how that feels. And, um, <laughs> strange feeling. Um, you know, I've probably practiced this a hundred times, and it never comes out the way I want to. Um, because I choose to give it to my higher power, who I call God, because of his name. And, um... So when I get done, if, if, if there's anything you don't like, you can take it to him. And if there's anything you do like, you can take it to him. Okay. Um, you know, I guess you start at the beginning, don't you? And so first, I want to say something about Drunkalogue. <laughs> this woman came up to me one day and she said, after I gave a reading, she said, I love your story. She said, I do not like Drunkalogue and I love your story. And the guy after her said, I love your story. I love Drunk a Log. And it goes along with, I was sitting in a, in a meeting with a girl that I sponsor. And, and this lead was just driving me crazy. It was the most boring, stupid lead I've ever heard in my life. And, um, and I'm sitting by this girl that I sponsor, and I look over, and she's got tears rolling down her eyes. And, and she turned to me, and she said, that's the best lead I've ever heard. And I thought, boy, I missed it. I missed it. You know? She was listening, and, and I, I don't know what I was there for, but it wasn't to hear the message, apparently, because I heard nothing. But I did hear the message that she gave, and she listened. Therefore, I tried to listen. Um, I, I've been sober almost 11 and a half years, and I think that's important to tell. Um, it, it's real exciting to me. It's, it's unreal. I cannot believe that I am here today. And, and when I get done, you won't believe I'm here either. Um, I, I'm going to start at the beginning, and that's when I was... I'm going to start before I was born. Because that's the best part. <laughs> My mom was pregnant. God looked down from the heavens and said, I have to do something about that, and sent Bill to Alcoholics Anonymous to prepare for me. This is my husband, Bill Fannin. <laughs> So he's been sober longer than I am old. I'll be 41 in January. So, um, and, and it took that to prepare for me. Because <laughs> I, I was a basket case. And, um, you know, my mom said that I was different than my brother and sister. I acted different than them. Um, my brother and sister don't seem to have a problem with alcohol. My sister's here, and, and that's, that's real special. <laughs> real special. Um, I put my family through hell. Total hell. 
And um, if you come to here, you come to support me. My brother-in-law is here, and my friends are here, and that's so, that means so much. Now, there was a time in my life that my sister hated me, her and my brother. I was about seven years old. <laughs> they wanted to play Tom Dooley. In case you don't know, they hang me, Tom Dooley. <laughs> I had the starring role. <laughs> they hung me. But sometimes I walk around like this, and it's, you know, and, um, and uh, not once, but twice, they set me on fire. And, um, and they swear I deserved it. And, and it was probably due to untreated alcoholism at age seven <laughs> that I drove everyone crazy because I run into people that, that were friends of my brother and sister and they say, you're that little brat, you know? So I believe that I was born an alcoholic. Um, I believe I, I came out with the traits and, and what made me an alcoholic is when I took that first drink. Um, and, you know, I don't remember my first drink. I, I don't remember not ever drinking. You know, I, I don't remember that. I, I don't remember a line. I don't remember anything. I just remember life drinking. You know, that's what I did. I drank with my father at a very early age. Um, and, and, you know, it was, it was kind of nice. It, it, my father was an alcoholic, and I used to say that. He does. And, um, and if he would show up on, on visitation days or weekends, he would come and get me. And, and my dad was smart. He knew what it took to keep me quiet for a weekend. And he bought me one of these big jugs of Moby Days of Blackberry wine. You know, and all my friends were drinking pre-wave. But, but my dad knew what I needed. He knew what would keep me quiet so that he could have a nice weekend. <laughs> and, uh, and we did fine. And, and my family was, my family was a little weird. Uh, you, you know, I thought I came from a normal family until so I got to AA and you told me how screwed up they were. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. They, uh, my mother went to church every time the door was open. And um, my father went to the bar every time the door was open. And um, and there came a time in my life where I had to choose to follow my mother or my father. And since I'm here today, you know where I went. <laughs> yeah, me and Daddy. Me and Daddy. Um, my dad didn't seem to run into the trouble that I did. He was always a happy drunk. Of course, he got beat up a lot. And um, I didn't have that problem. I carried a gun. <laughs> I'd shoot them. And the one thing that I miss is that I didn't get to kill someone a little bit at a time. So don't piss me off. <laughs> um, I'm still looking forward to that. <laughs> I have all the Steven Seagal movies. And I watch them practice. Um, you know, drinking was a way of life for me. It was the only way of life I knew. My entire life evolved around drinking. It was evolved around alcohol. Um, I, I went nowhere that didn't have alcohol. I started drinking early. My mom said I was a full-blown alcoholic by the time I was 12 years old. Um, I was 12 years old when I had my first blackout. And I had um, went come in this little house down in some alley, and, and there was some man there, and, and he gave us some um, moonshine. And, and um, I, I remember going into the house, and I remember drinking this glass, and I drank it fast. And, and I don't remember anything until the next day. Um, I, I don't know. That was my my experience. And, and that told me at age 12 that when people drink, they don't remember. And I thought that that was normal. I, 
I thought that a blackout was normal. It was something that you do when you drink. So um, I, I went on and, and, um, and you know, I, I was one of those I marched against drugs because I thought drug addicts were the kick. You know, they were the lower class people. Um, it was dumb. And I wouldn't have anything to do with you if you did drugs. Um, of course, I, I drank that, that fifth of whiskey daily, you know, and there was nothing wrong with me. So I marched against drugs. Of course, I marched against the war. I marched for Jesus. Uh, I marched for any, if there was a mark, I, I just went, you know. I didn't really care. Um, okay, I, I could change into whoever I wanted to be. And, um, what was I saying? Does anybody pay attention? Yeah, I'm marked. But anyway, um, I ended up towards the um, end of my drinking. I I did end up um, doing the drugs with those people that I marched against, and um, and and I thank God for for Dr. Paul and Dr. Alcoholic Addict. Um, because it made me know that I was okay, and it made me a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I drank hard and I drank long, and, and I'm one of those people that, um, that I, I hit the jail from the psych wards, and, and trouble followed me wherever I went, you know, or it was there but when I got there. But, you know, I, since coming to AA, I have found out that I was the problem. All along, I was the problem. There was a fight outside these two bars. And, and everybody was out there fighting, and, and whoever wasn't fighting was out looking. The only people in the bar was me and the bartender, and he was upset because I wouldn't leave. But I did move down so I could walk out the window. But I wasn't going to leave my alcohol. There's no way. Nothing, nothing is more important to me than a drink. Nothing. I uh, I looked out, and someone had a knife to my girlfriend's throat, and I thought, well, hmm, guess I ought to go. So I walked out, and... Um, pull the person off and the police showed up. And out of all those people, and, and I don't know, 25, 30, I have no idea how many people were there. Uh, out of all those people, and I was not involved in the fight, I'm the only one that went to jail. The only one. And, and you know, I thought the police kicked on me. I really did. And I thought they hunted me out. And, and you know what? I, today I know, and, and I know that when, when the police showed up, I'm the only person that ran my mouth. You know, I called them their mother's bad name. Uh, you know, I was a big shot. I took over. I I was there. You know, I was someone. I was a big shot, and I'm the only one that went to jail. And on the way to jail, I was talking about harassment charges, and um, and they were talking about some charges of their own, like police brutality and assault and everything else. So we all decided we'd just drop all those charges, and I'd just spend the night in jail. And um. And I did. And um, but it was nice because I, I used to date the Butler County Sheriff's Department. And, um, <laughs> so, so when I went to jail, I always got a sleep. Yeah. They, um, they put me in a cell by myself because they knew they didn't want me in population. So my jail experience was not all that bad. Uh, I had a color TV and... And I mean, they had concrete beds that when you're drunk, you care for you sleep. You know, when you pass out, you just pass out no matter where you're at, you know. 
And I slept in a lot of bad places. And, and I, I hear men get up here and talk about that dog they slept with. <laughs> Man, you could see some of the dogs I woke up with, you know? Matter of fact, one time I even woke up with a German Shepherd. <laughs> I don't even want to know what happened that night. <laughs> uh, yeah, blackouts were invented by God, you know, because if I remembered any more than I know today, I wouldn't be able to stand it. There's no way. Um, I, I believe they're a gift from God. Um, a, a lot of things got me here. Um, Alcohol is what got me here. My thinking got me here. Um, I, I, I don't know, like, I just never thought right. You know, I never fit in. Never. I never remembered fitting in anywhere I went. When I was a little girl, I used to hide in the closet. Well, I'd sit there for hours and my mom didn't know what to do with me. She had no idea. They took me out to a psychologist and, and they said I was young and I'd grow out of stuff because I had this imagination. You wouldn't believe I made up a lot of stories and, the Cisco kid came to visit me and all kinds of stuff like that. And, you know, I lived in a fantasy world. A fantasy world, you know. And and then when I started drinking, and I drank. Man, did I drink. I drank anything I could get my hands on. It didn't really matter. I drank and I drank and I drank. And that's all I did was drink. Um, that's important for me to know. You know, I had no life. I don't remember a life before Alcoholics Anonymous. I had one, but it wasn't worth anything. You know? Um, I ended up in the psych ward, um, trying to kill myself. I started committing suicide when I was about seven. And I cut my wrist because my mom wouldn't let me go to the laundry mat. Um, and, and I don't know what makes a seven-year-old try to commit suicide. I, um, uh, I do know that I was sexually abused as a small child, and and, uh, and I'm dealing with that. And I I don't know if that makes you cut your wrist. I I don't know if alcoholism does it. I don't I don't know what does it. But it's important to me to know that at age seven I was tired of living. I was tired of living, and I'm proud to stand here. And I'm almost 41 years old, and it's a miracle because I tried every way possible to get away from you people. Because you made me sick. I couldn't understand myself. I hated myself. I hated myself. I remember looking in the mirror one time and I said, I hate you. You're nothing but a drunken slut. And that's the way I felt. I hated me. I hated you. I hated everything. I'd taken so many pills to try to kill myself. They got so they'd pump my stomach and send me home. They wouldn't even keep me overnight. Oh, it's her again. And you knew by my first name. Here she comes. And I tried to get you to kill me too. You know, because I didn't have the guts to kill myself. Why, David Ugly Men? She had to been here last night. I didn't have the guts to kill myself, and, and, and I did everything. I had this one husband, you talk about a sick relationship, you know? We, we took turns trying to kill each other. And we were happy for 10 years. <laughs> I, I married someone else in between that time, but I always went back to him. 
of love. It's one of those real alcoholic relationships. Um, he, he used to do things like waking up with a gun in my head, you know, good morning, dear. Uh, and, and he used to play Russian roulette with my head. He, he took a gun to my head and pulled the trigger, and it was it was fun. You know, and I, I used to say, why don't you just shoot me and get it over with? You know, I didn't care. I didn't. I wanted someone to kill me. I was, I was sitting in a bar one night, and this guy walked in with a sawed-off shotgun. I knew he was coming for me. I knew it. And uh, he said, I've had it with you. And I jumped off the bar so I could kill me. Please, put me out of my misery. Well, he decided that I wasn't worth that bullet in the gun. <laughs> so he took the gun out, put it in the trunk of his car, came in, called on the bar, still next to me, and I took him home with me that evening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I ended up marrying his brother. <laughs> you know how I get up. It was fun. Drinking was fun. No, it was hell. It wasn't a fun thing. I, I can tell you some things that I, I thought were fun, but if I thought they were fun, it was a jerk thing. You know? I get to the point in my drinking that I, I drank in bars where people, um, setting such cockroaches off the wall for entertainment, you know. And I've been sitting in the bar where people have gotten killed, and, and I don't miss a drink. I have another one before the police get here, because I know the drink will stop then, you know. But can I have another one? I went, it got so bad in, in my drinking career that I, um, the barmaid, I, I would go in in the morning and, and um, and I was I was there usually before it opened, and uh, and if there was no one in there, then she would give me a, a glass of whiskey because that's how I drank it, a glass of whiskey and a straw, and I would tuck it through the straw until I was able to hold the glass. And uh, if there were people in there, then we would go into the bathroom, and she would hold my head and pour the whiskey down my throat. Um, she also filmed this far. And I love her today. I just love her. She worried so much about me. She, she, would, she would bring me in a plate of food at night and say, I'll give you a glass of whiskey if you eat this. I'd eat it, so throw up and come back and drink my whiskey. You know? Throwing up was fun. That, that was a part of my controlled drinking. There were some bars in Hamilton that would not allow me to drink whiskey. And uh, I was only allowed to drink beer in their establishment. And I never did get that, but... I would go in and I would drink and you know, you can only drink so much beer. And, and they say, you go into the bathroom, you make yourself throw up, get rid of it all, and then you go back in and you, and you drink again until you get so full. And finally, I'd get tired and go to a different bar and give me whiskey. You know? Um, I drank McMaster's and it's real funny. It's, it's, uh, McMaster's is a whiskey that I don't think they sell anywhere but Hamilton, um, Ohio. <laughs> um, and everybody in Hamilton drank it. Yeah, you know, it, it was there. You have to know about Hamilton, I guess. It's a strange little town within itself. But, um, you know, I did the bars, I did the psych wards, and, you know, I, I had some, um, I, I had some time in, in, in AA before, before I came to stay. I went to, um, let's see, I, once I went to an intergroup place, uh, I was in the bar drinking, I was about 19 years old. And the people in the bar decided that I was an alcoholic, and they called Alcoholics Anonymous on me. 
And um, <laughs> then I talked to the people, and they said, well, you know, we'll come and get you. I said, no, you won't. I'll drive my own car. And I remember driving over there, and I remember that there was a bunch of old people sitting around drinking coffee and talking about God. I hated old people, coffee, and God. My next introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous was when I was in a psych ward, and, and I had been a bad girl, and I needed some of those gold stars. And um, and the nurse said, if, if you go to the A meeting, we'll give you a gold star. Well, I'd do anything for a star. So I went into the AA meeting, and there was this old man in there, and he was drinking coffee and talking about God. And my opinions and views have changed since I come to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I still don't drink coffee. I love God, and I'm Mary Bill Fanning. And, um, you know, um, I, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous by accident. I, you know, people talk about treatment centers. Oh, man. It, it really bothers me because that treatment center Enough me and the alcohol synonymous before I knew what was happening. Yeah. I, I went in and my, my, I was going to a psychiatrist. He told me there was nothing he could do for my, for my, for me until I did something about my alcoholism. He gave me a phone number and, um, and I went to, uh, I went home. It was to a treatment center in Cincinnati. And I went home and, and my, uh, angel was there. This is the woman that God sent to take care of me until I found you. And uh, she, she ended up disappearing after I got sober, and I've never seen her so much since. So that's why I call her my angel. And um, I went home and told her what was going on, and, and I called my mom. And because I was good, mom's 23 fourth, I felt I owed her that. And um, and I, I told mom that, that he wanted me to go to this treatment center down in Cincinnati. And she said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to Virginia. Why was there a question? You know, why was there a question what I was going to do? And she said, that's fine. That's fine. She said, and I'll need you to come and help you pack. But while I'm on my way over there, I'm going to think about this. You've been clear across the country and back. When are you going to realize that you can't run from you? And I trust that woman all through she says she was so stupid. And I hung that phone up on her. I was so mad. And I said, fine. I called her back. I said, okay, I'll give you one more chance. I'll go to that treatment center. So it's kind of hard to get in because at that time they didn't take drug addicts. And I have a, a very good history of drugs. Um, I found out that if you shoot enough cocaine in your veins, you can drink 24 hours a day. Okay? That's fact. Um, so I had to be interviewed by, by this doctor, and, and he told me, I went to his office, I'll never forget it. I didn't drink because I was going to treatment for drinking, so I didn't drink, but, but I took a bunch of drugs and smoked a bunch of pot, and, and I went into his office, and, and I told him this dying story. You know, I, I was devastated, and, and I remember that feeling, and it was ugly. And the man looked at me, and he said, I'm sorry. He said, but you're hopeless and helpless, and there's nothing we can do for you. I just, I, I don't, I, I wish I could tell you how I felt. Maybe you know how I felt. I believe some of you do. I looked at that man and I said, please help me find somebody that'll help me help myself. 
And I want you to know that those words did not come from me because that was the biggest sentence I had had in two years at least because I was gone for two solid years. I, I had a, when, when I was little I always wanted to, to go up and be a mommy, you know. All my friends wanted to, they wanted to be nurses and, and little boys wanted to be firemen and everything and I wanted to be a mommy. And, uh, and at some point in my time, in my life where, where I was able to be a mommy. And I had the most beautiful baby girl. She was beautiful. And, and she was born with a birthday chance and I had her for seven and a half months. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. She was, she was full of rotten. Probably an alcoholic. <laughs> But she was beautiful and she was mine. And for some reason that baby died. And I, and I was never able to be a mommy again. I had five miscarriages. I ended up with cancer. I had to have a hysterectomy. Um, I hated God. People come up to me and they think I am God's will. You know what I said to him. I don't see it from the podium anymore. But I said, I hated God. I hated him. He took away my aunt. When I was 12 years old, my best friend was killed in a car wreck on Christmas Eve, and they told me it was God's will. I hated him. And I get to this program where people tell me that I have to turn my life over to this thing. And I hated him. I hated him. But you know what? I, I just ignored those steps because I was having fun. These people were crazy. I come to Alcoholics Anonymous and all these people are sitting around and they're laughing and they're carrying on and, and it's just unreal. And, and I call them to the laughter and, and there was the gyms and they were running around in their tight blue jeans and their tight t-shirts and, and that's what I like. You know. I did not come to Alcoholics Anonymous for what you had. I came for what they had. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about 13-7. I was in, in treatment center and um, I spent seven days in detox and on the seventh day they said no relationships for the first year and it was too late. I fell in love in detox. <laughs> This man had a wonderful wife and two darling children that I just loved. We were one big happy strange family. I came to Amy to meet that man. And don't worry, his wife knew. She thought we were good for each other. As long as he was with me, he was sober and he came home every now and then. And um, about nine months had passed and I turned around and and uh, he was drunk. And I found myself in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous because it was a habit. It was a habit that I had formed, and it was a good habit. So I didn't like you people. I, I thought you were stupid, and I didn't want anything to do with God, and that's about all I heard. I thought that, that, you know. But I did not come to Alcoholics Anonymous to get sober. I was having fun, and I thought I'd stay as long as it lasted. I had no 
conception, none of what sobriety meant. I did not know what you were talking about. I did not know. I did not know that it required, I knew that it knew it required more than just not drinking, but I didn't know what I had to do, and I really wasn't too willing. Um, I, I got involved after he got drunk in, um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I did everything that, that I was supposed to do, maybe, <laughs> not really, because I got drunk. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, I went to meetings, I had a sponsor, read my big book, I, I led meetings, I shared meetings, I did a detox group, I did everything in the world I thought I was supposed to do, and I did absolutely everything except tell you how I felt. Because I thought that I had to get good. I thought that I had to come into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous with a smile on my face. I thought that I was supposed to be getting better. I thought that I was not allowed to hurt. And you people did not tell me that. That is something that this mind thought up all on its own. And, and, and you didn't even have anything to do with it. Um, I'm thoroughly convinced. Thoroughly convinced. And if you're not, I'll help you do that. That the only reason that we drink, the only reason, is because we do not have a one-on-one with God. That's the only reason we drink. You're lacking that God thing. I, I have people that I sponsor, and they'll call me up with this big, long problem, and they go on and on as long as I'll dare listen to them. And then they'll say, I know it's the God thing. Yeah, you're right. I have a girlfriend that's been in this program. Honestly, she's been in this program about 20 years. She, she had five years one time, but she just, you know, that, I don't know how that happened. Um, but she's not able to get very much time together. And she calls me when she gets three months. She'll call me. So she's getting ready to drink again. And she'll call me and we'll talk. And she'll say, it's the God thing, isn't it? And I say, yes, it is. And people don't understand that the, the God thing, they, they think that you come to Alcoholics Anonymous and that you're immediately rocketed to the fourth dimension. You know, everyone wants to be rocketed. Well, go to Nassau. You know. They don't understand that the way to get rocketed is by those little tiny things you do, those little tiny God disciplines. You know, and I, people I sponsor, you really think I'm strange. But you know what I tell them? That you get started with the God thing. Every time you see a flower, you think of God. You know, you get that God consciousness going in your life. You know? Just it, get it going. And, and you might think that's stupid, but I'll tell you, there's times, and, and I don't want to see a sunrise, sunset. Um, on rainy days, I know that the sunshine comes from within, and on my pants. I have little sunshines all over. Um, you know, it, it's not that bad, you know. Okay, I became Miss AA. Here's what she looks like. And if you want to see another version, go look in the mirror. Because it's easy to do. Um, I thought that I had to be perfect, and and, um, and I became Miss AA. And, and what Miss AA does is get drunk. And so does Mr. AA. I've seen them too. And I, I, uh, I had 17 months in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had, remember the boyfriend that I met in the care unit? 
with the, the wife and two kids. Well, somehow, I got pregnant by his son. Sober. In the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, I was working the program. Yeah. See, we, we have that problem here. We try to live a drunk life sober. Man, you gotta change. The program is changing. If you don't change, you'll be drunk. But, you know, I've seen people with, with 20 years, 30 years, 40 years sobriety. They scare me. Because if I acted like they did, I'd be drunk. I had to change. And for a woman, it changes button one more button. You know? That's a big change for a woman. It's an important thing. Might not be for men, but it is for us. You know? A girl I sponsored and she said, when, when are they going to quit treating me like a whore? I said, when you quit acting like one. You have to change people. The program is changed. And you do that through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And don't let them frighten you. Don't let them frighten you. They're not that bad. These steps are so simple. They're so simple. So basic. And we make them so tough. You know that first step? That's a breeze. You know, I came here, I was beaten. Totally beaten. Um, so I tried to live that from life sober. You know? I still tried to have an affair with a married man and get pregnant by a son. You can't do that. You can't do it. They're both drunk. They're both drunk. I, um, I got drunk. I did, and, and you know what I did before I went to get drunk? I did call someone, and I talked to him for an hour and a half, and, and I told him that I would take time that drunk for another day. And what I did was that I, I hung up that phone, and I picked up my keys, and I said, God, take care of me. And out the door I went. After a year and a half without a drink, I drank for four hours. Four hours. I spent seven days in detox. I had seizures for two years. After four hours of drinking, sucked out progression. This disease is deadly. Deadly. I drank four hours. That was it. And I almost died. I almost died. I ended up in the hospital with seizures. Um, terrible. You know, though, that I went back into that treatment center, and it's a good thing, because I probably would have died. There's no way I could have stopped drinking without going in. Um, and, and I went in, and, and I wanted to drink. Uh, you know, the, the compulsion never left. But while I was there, I had so many visitors that they had to restrict them. So many people came to see me. All these friends I'd met in Alcoholics Anonymous, and you know, and I knew these people were talking bad about me, and, and I knew, I knew that when I went to AA that, that you all would, would treat me bad. And they told me part of my treatment was I had to go to Oak Street Clubhouse on Friday night, which was my home group. And before I got out of treatment, they made me go there, and it was awful feeling. I was so scared, and I was ready to punch the first person that said anything to me. I was going to kill them. Because I was back in that state of mind, you know, I want to kill somebody a little bit at a time. And I walked in and there's this guy there and his name's Tommy Hughes. And he always stood at the end of the bar 
talk to God. And he said, I walked in the door and he turned around and he opened his big arms open and he said, welcome home, baby. And I took my shoes off and ran around the clubhouse. I come again. You people loved me right back. You loved me back. And you know, I knew, I knew that I got drunk because of the God thing. I knew it because I still hated him. I, I had a friend that said that I could, I, she was a therapist and she said that I could, uh, I could pick the God of my understanding. You know, I had to get rid of that hellfire and damnation. And I took out a pencil and paper and I wrote down what I thought the God of my understanding should be like. And he was, um, he's loving and he's kind and he's, he's generous and he's forgiving and he's a mother, father figure and he gives me everything I need. He, he, he you know, boosts me in the butt when I need it. And I still have that God of my understanding. My mother still has the fire, the hellfire and the amazing. And you know what? I'm smart enough to know that her God and mine's the same. We just look at him differently. And what works for my mother works beautifully. What works for me is a miracle. It's a miracle. We have the same God, we just look at him differently. And he keeps me sober today, he keeps me sane. He keeps me from killing these people a little bit at a time. <laughs> so thank you, God. <laughs> you, know, you might think I'm crazy, but I have papers that says I'm sane. <laughs> yeah. What time is it? Am I done talking? Yeah, you'd sit here all day long listening to me. I know you. I do not. What time is it? Thank you. Found an honest person. Somebody's threatening to go home. <laughs> you know, I, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is a strange book. And, um, and I want you to know that, that my big book has, let me see, let me count the pages, okay? This says 575 pages. And I know some of you have that little half measure big book. You know, the one with 164 pages. That book scares me to death. I am frightened by that half measure big book. I am frightened by it. When I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't know what those 164 pages meant. I still don't understand some of it. I've been sober 11 and a half years. But you know what I related to? I related to that bell in the bar in the back. You know? Man, did she tell my story. I related to Dr. Alcoholic Addict. You know? Keys to the kingdom. I could read these things and I understood. And I became a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then I was able to go back to the first 164 pages and find out what I had to do. I hate those little big books. I have one because I collect big books. It's sitting on my shelf. And I dare anyone I sponsor to ever pull one out in front of me. I dare them. Y'all hear that? I dare you. You're cutting the program short. How are you going to learn about acceptance? The easier, softer way is by reading in the back, Dr. Alcoholic Addict. And then you go back out and find out how you can do it constantly. And that's in the first 164 pages. You know, that's the program of life. 
you got to give me some small things first, you know. You have to give me the tiny things. Because I don't understand that heavy stuff. I didn't understand psychic change. I do today. I understand it today. And I practice it daily. You know, I, I, I wake up every morning and I give myself to God and I try to be the best person that I know how. And you know, I got this immense thing down really good. If I, if I send you, you'll know it fast. You'll know it fast. Because I'm not going to carry it around with me. I can't stand that heavy load. It's too big. Too big for me to carry. And sponsorship, so important to me. So important. I, I've, I've had a big long list of sponsors. But I always go back to the same one. And, and she's, she's a little tiny person, and, and, and she's so mean, and, um, and it's so unreal. But do you know, I think of her, and I feel better. I think of her. I have a problem. I think of her, and I feel better. And I call her in the phone, and she tells me how stupid I am, and I feel even better. <laughs> You know, and another thing about sponsorship and why I think it's important to sponsor people, I think it's important to sponsor people, I think it's very important to listen to what you say. Listen to what you say. You know, because I can't keep you sober. I can't do it. But if I do what I tell you to do, I'm going to stay sober. And every time I tell someone I sponsor to do something, I do it. I do it. I don't expect them to do anything that I will not do. I think that's important. I think that's so important. This program is a life-saving place for me. It has given me my family back. I had the most beautiful little, um, little bitty great aunt, or great niece you've ever seen. She calls me Didi. I think that's fantastic. And I was in the hospital when she was born and they said, I said, I'm a great aunt. And my niece looked over at me and she said, He's always been a great aunt. Isn't that cute? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And she knew me when. She knew me when. And she wanted to be here to support me today, no matter what matter. I'm glad. She doesn't need to hear the rest of it. And I have this beautiful godchild, and her name's Samantha Diane. And she looks up at me, and she says, Oh, Nana, I love you so much. God gave me her. She's a miracle. Her mother was never supposed to be able to have children. Judy and I used to sit around and cry because, and feel sorry for ourselves because everybody else could have kids, but we couldn't. Judy and I have the same anniversary date, April 2nd. On April 2nd, a few years ago, Judy called me on the phone and she said, guess what? I said, what? She said, we're going to have a baby. I said, we who? She said, me and you? Yeah, we know that's impossible. But that's my child. That's my gift from God. You know, that beautiful baby that looks at me and says, oh, man, I love you so much. And it's easy to take. It's easy to take. You know, I spoil that child to death, and I, and I give it back to her mom, and she goes home and she's mean. And I, I don't have to deal with it, you know. So God knew what he was doing, you know. He, he gave me a God child, and he gave me a great name, and I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm very thankful that, that I'm here today, and um. Uh, I hope I haven't left out anything um, that I needed to hear. I'm sure I didn't because I did give it to God. It was God's message. And I just want to end by telling you that I might not be the woman I should be, nor the woman I could be. But thank God I'm not the woman I used to be. Thank you very much.